Well, hey, uh, yeah, absolutely. Grab your, uh, grab your T-shirt out there. It's a very good thing. I'm going to invite you to go ahead and be seated for just a moment. Um, for Life Church, we typically have um, uh, our missions focus Sunday is the first Sunday of the month. We found out that a missionary couple was going to be right around the corner from us, and so we invited them to be part of our service this morning. And uh, so I'm going to invite, uh, without a lot of fanfare right now, uh, Ben and Baloo uh, Grams to go ahead and come on up here. They're going to share in just a moment. But missions is, uh, is super important for us as Life Church, and you're going to find out why when you hear their story and how your partnership with them is uh, working to change and transform uh, lives and communities. And so would you please welcome uh, a warm Life Church welcome to Ben and Baloo Grams. Good morning, church. Um, good morning to those watching at home. Good morning, good afternoon. No, good morning. Um, it's a blessing to be here with you guys again. It's really an honor. Um, and it's really good to see new faces, but it's really good to see some old faces, someone that, some people that we already know. So thank you for being here with us this morning. Um, as Pastor said, he, this is Ben. I'm Bailey. We have two kids over there. And we just want to share with you what God has placed in our hearts. So we are going to invite you to pay your attention to the, to the screen so we can show you a video so you can get to um, know us more. Hi, this is Ben, Belu, Toby, and Rick Rams, missionaries to Argentina. I was born and raised in Argentina as a missionary kid and uh, moved to the U.S. for college and then ministry in Utah. And that is when um, Belu and I met and Belu was living in Spain at the time. Our backgrounds were so different, yet God brought us together with a common purpose and now he's called us. This is, we are going into our second term now in Argentina and it has been uh, an adventure to say the least. During our first term, we've been working as chaplains, um, developing the chaplaincy program at the Patagonian Bible School. And it's been a challenge at the beginning, but it's been a huge blessing. Um, we've been able to work and be with the kids side by side, equipping them, helping them going through the process of being trained to be able to work for the kingdom many, many kids, probably between 65 or 70% of them um, have confessed suffering from, from abuse. But that's the reality that they are living and that's what God has been putting in our hearts and in our hands to be able to work for Him. What we discovered is that so few young people have had anyone believe in them. And one of the phrases that, that we are known for is that we say, we believe in you we believe in you and that has been what has um, really pushed the, this, this generation the people that we have been able to be in contact with to believe in what God has called them to do we are honored to be a part of God's call on so many young people future church planters future evangelists future missionaries that will be sent all over the world doors are opening in countries that are so close to missions yet they are open to graduates of the school here just because of it being from a different nationality, a different look, a different culture. And we believe that there's places that we could never go, but these students can go. Right now, the, the country of Argentina is going through uh, a crisis. The, the financial situation is bringing much uncertainty because the financial security is gone. And so it's such a prime time right now for a move of God, for God to raise up a generation 
to impact a country and through this country impact the world. But how can we do that if this generation is not prepared? The one thing we know since the very beginning of this adventure is that we are called, but this is a team effort and we wouldn't be able to do anything without you. So thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayers. We need you. We needed to keep going. We needed to keep um, equipping the next generation in Argentina. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts and thank you for being part of our team. Blessings. We love you guys. Thank you. All right. For the Valleys, I love the hashtag. But this church is not just for the valleys. This church is for the world. I was looking at the, at, at the wall back there somewhere with all the missions, all the impact that you are having through your partnership, through your giving, through your prayers. Your prayers have an impact. Uh, we're going to look at today, not that I'm prophetic, but I, I already sat through the first sermon. And we're going to look at the life of Paul and how he came to Christ. Um, but there was a special person. Ananias was this man that was willing to listen to God's voice and go to a person that he considered his enemy and pour into him to the point that Saul later was converted into what we know as Paul now. So had it not been for Ananias, none of what we see through Paul's life would have happened. And you might feel unimportant through missions. You might feel like you're just here in Utah and you're not making an impact. You are. You are important. Your role is having an impact all over the world. You might feel invisible. You might feel... Um, Anonymous, but anonymity does not equal unimportance. You are very important to the kingdom of God being expanded all over the world. Your partnership has allowed us to plant a church that grew into two churches, to be investing into three people that planted three different churches. We uh, saw 11 baptism that we were a part of. We saw so many lives transformed and prepared because of your generosity. So thank you for not just being for the valleys, but for being for the world. That wall right there shows it. Please, if you don't mind, when you leave, grab one of our cards, pray for us. Your prayers are so needed. When we first arrived to Argentina, the third night after we were living in our home, we, uh, we got back home and our house was broken into. We lost everything. And in those moments, those hard moments, we knew that the church was sustaining our arms and, and picking us up. So thank you. The other thing I want to share is uh, Argentina is in need. Four out of every 10 people right now are considered to be in poverty. This coin used to be worth $1 less than 20 years ago. Now it's worth less than a cent. So if you see on the floor, you don't even bend down to pick it up because it's worthless. And that's how this nation feels right now. Their goals are on the floor. Their, their, uh, their dreams are in the trash. And they don't believe in themselves anymore. So we want to go represented by you. You are sending us to go and pick them up off the floor and say, God has called you. God has a plan for your life. You are worth so much that he died on the cross for you. So thank you for allowing us to the, be the parents of the next generation. The next time you have a coin in your hand, just remember us and pray for us. We need your prayers. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We love you guys. One of those things that uh, culturally is uh, uh, sometimes misunderstood perhaps here in the Salt Lake Valley and in Utah. Uh, the, the culture around us, mission, sounds like a two-year commitment uh, for, for many, many people, and that's the kind of the go-to thought for it. But what missions is uh, for us, for Life Church Utah, and then in particular for these two, is the fact that they give themselves for their entire lives to missions, that they go to a, to a foreign country, I mean, even though you were kind of raised there in Argentina, you're from Argentina, that they go to a country 
to be able to present Jesus Christ to people that don't know Jesus. And so we support on a monthly basis missionaries, uh, the, the Grams, as well as many, many other missionaries. You see them on the wall there. And that only happens because of your faithfulness and your generosity. You are making a difference in the world. And so I'm so grateful uh, for Ben and Blue. Can I have you guys come forward real quick? Uh, as a church, let's just pray for them and ask God's blessing upon them. And so, Father, we do lift up, lift up the Grams. God, we pray your blessing and anointing upon them. Father, you have them there in Argentina for a, uh, for a very specific reason and purpose. And so, God, as you unfold a new plan for their ministry and, God, new opportunities that are going to be for them when they get back to Rio de la Plata, Lord, I pray, uh, God, that they would be more influential than ever in the lives of this, uh, this generation that's coming up that, God, you would give them insight into how to lead these, uh, these students closer to you, God, that they would be uh, an influence not only in these students, but, God, what these, in, what these students plant in the future in the way of churches and ministries and, and uh, other ways to be involved in spreading the gospel of Christ. Lord, thank you for the joy that we have to partner with them, and, uh, Lord, we're grateful uh, for this opportunity. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and, God, we give you all the glory. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. One more time, can we thank uh, Ben and Baloo for being with us today? All right. I want to invite our ushers up this morning. You know, we just learned about how God can um, use two individuals to impact so many in, in, on the other side of the world. And yet God, he's using each and every single one of you here in our own community and across the world to reach the lost. And that's done through our giving. You know, God uses our finances and blesses it to reach into the lives of the lost and those who are hurting. So as we pray this morning for our offering, let's just believe that God is going to take what we have, no matter how big, how small it may be, and that God is going to use it and that he's going to make a way to reach the lost and to reach the hurting. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, that you are a God who provides a way. Lord, you provided a way for each and every single one of us in this room, Lord, to come to know you. And so, Lord, we just pray, Lord, that through our giving, God, that you would create opportunities for the lost, Lord, to come to know you, Lord, to experience your freedom, to experience your spirit, Father. And we just thank you, and I pray, Lord, that you would just bless, Lord, the people of life, church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We'll take the next 60 seconds. You are welcome to come up and give in person here to our lovely ushers at the front. You're also able to text and give online as well. But go ahead and join us, stand up, and greet one another in love. Good morning, Life Church. Let's try that again. Good morning, Life Church. 
That's a little bit better. And good morning to everybody who is uh, online as well this morning. Thank you uh, for being with us uh, this morning. Um, real quick, uh, for those who are wondering, uh, the number is 700. That's the number of blocks that are behind me. I know some of you have been trying to count them uh, during service because you you're like me, trying to count them. You try to do higher math and all But 700, and I would like to say thank you uh, to Warren Stanton, and I, I know there were a number of other people that helped make this uh, backdrop possible. So thank you, Warren, and whoever else helped uh, us to uh, kind of refresh uh, the stage. Thank you very much for that. So um, the other thing, so, so can, I, can I give you, uh, my, my wife's going to kill me, but I just think this is so funny. So during first service, my wife started laughing. She was up here singing today on the right-hand side of this. Her name is Shelly, if you don't know. She's wonderful, and I love her. And uh, I'm going to have to buy her something after this. But she was laughing at me in first service. And I'm like, what are you laughing at me for? I have no idea. It was during the, the last song that we sang. I'm like, what is, what's going on? My wife is laughing. I'm, I'm a funny guy, you know, and all that stuff. So I was wondering. And so she's laughing at me. And I, and I knew what it was. You know what it was? I was clapping on the wrong beat. And she caught me in first service, so honey, thank you for helping me clap on beat. So uh, that's a beautiful thing there. And today, by the way, there's uh, several birthdays that have happened on our staff, and I just want to draw attention to them really quickly. Uh, Pastor John had a birthday last Thursday, and he turned just a little bit older than me, so that's very exciting. <laughs> and uh, Natasha's birthday is today, which is very exciting about that. And uh, then our missionary Ben, Ben Grahams, his birthday is today as well, so... Uh, very excited. If your birthday's today, give yourself a hand. That's uh, very, yeah, all right, okay. Um, so we're starting a new series today, as you can see, uh, hashtag for the valleys, and uh, I'm going to encourage you, uh, that hashtag is something that you can use yourself, and we'll talk about that at the very, uh, very end of today's message. So I'm not sure if you've ever had this experience before. Uh, there was a season in my life uh, that was confusing, has anybody ever been in a confusing uh, season of life? Anybody raise your hand? All right, good. Three, four, four of you. Okay, good, good. Uh, how many of you are in that right now? <laughs> Big confusing season of life. God, what are you up to? Can't quite figure this whole thing out. Um, it was while we were in Minnesota, and so it was early 2000s, and uh, I just needed to hear from God. I was on staff at a church, and there was some transition happening. I'm like, okay, God, what's up with this? This isn't turning out the way I thought. And, I mean, all of those questions start coming out in your mind. And uh, so I, uh, there was kind of this desperation in my heart, desperation in my spirit. I'm like, God, I need to hear from you. Well, it just so happened right around that time, there was a, a fasting and prayer retreat at the campgrounds uh, that, the, uh, that, that our denomination had, and so made my way up there, hoping and expecting to hear from God uh, while, I, um, while I was in that season of confusion and uncertainty in my own life. Now, I am, I am not the following two people. I'm going to talk about a couple of people from the Bible, and uh, they are both uh, very well-known and prophetic and incredibly powerful leaders. And so uh, I am not them, but there really is this fascinating story in the Old Testament. There's this prophet was in a season of his life when he felt like things were not going as he had hoped. He, he was, you know, he had just experienced some incredible blessings of God. He had been part of uh, one of the greatest miracles in the, uh, in the Old Testament, and yet he finds himself feeling alone, separated, isolated, a bit broken, and uh, wondering what God was going to do in his life, and he finds himself in a cave. Anybody ever been in a cave before? Anyone raise your hand real quick, spelunking or just uh, walking into a cave? And uh, he found himself into a cave. 
And if you've ever been in a cave, that's a wonderful place to be isolated, and it's a wonderful place for darkness. And uh, he truly was in a, uh, in a place physically of darkness, but also kind of in his heart, kind of in his mind was in a, in a place uh, that was pretty dark. And uh, so in that dark place, Elijah, this incredible prophet of God, in that dark place, Elijah sat now, there's this, other, there's this other guy, his name is Paul. We've been talking about him uh, for quite a while with the Galatians series. So I'm not going to go through his, his whole uh, salvation story per se, but uh, Paul was on his way to persecute people in the church when God knocked him off his donkey or his horse, and Paul ended up being blinded. And so Paul, at the end of this little story, finds himself in a dark place. Have you ever sat in a dark place yourself? Real quick, anybody ever sat in a dark place and you feel that same angst, right? Well, you are in incredibly good company. We have people like Paul, people like Elijah, and everybody else that, uh, that raised their hand just a moment ago. There's something about being in a dark place like that that clarifies our thoughts, something about in the darkness. And if you have sat in, literally in a dark place, your other senses uh, become a little more acute. You begin to hear things a little bit better. You, you are more aware of the feeling around you because you don't have your sight. And Elijah found himself there. Paul found himself there. We find ourselves in those moments of isolation and darkness. We were talking about this as a, as a staff uh, this past week, about kind of what's going on in our culture, what's going on in the church, what's going on in individual lives. And there is this low-level stress that I think we all experience on a daily basis right now. And that stress shows up in the way that we interact uh, with our spouses, right? Uh, that stress shows up in the way that we interact with our children. It, it shows up at our workplace, just this undergirding bit of stress that we feel constantly, and it puts us on guard, puts us in a defensive posture, and it feels uh, just overwhelming at times in our lives. It shows up while shopping for groceries. You ever gone up the, uh, the wrong way on the aisles now that are one way? You can see stress immediately. I did that the other day. Uh, I was uh, getting stuff for our life group tonight, and uh, I walked up the wrong way in this aisle. And, man, the stares you get. You can't see their faces. You can't see if they're smiling. I figured they were frowning by the way that uh, the eyes looked, but I'm, they were not happy with me, and so I just kept walking. It was very, very great, the wrong way up the, uh, up the aisle. And, uh, you know, it's just the, the stress is there, and we can feel it, and it just, it just is overwhelming. And for some, especially what we've been going through now for the past number of months, this can be confusing and quite dark. So for Elijah, this is what it looked like. And I'm picking up kind of middle of the story. So if you want to read the whole story of Elijah, you need to go back to 1 Kings chapter 18. But 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah traveled for 40 days and 40 nights. And at that place, which is the mountain of God, he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 10, he answered, Elijah answered, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. You can sense some uh, depression in what Elijah is fighting through right now, and he feels isolated 
and alone. He's created a narrative by which he is the only one of his kind left. And uh, God, I've followed you, but it seems like, God, I've followed you to a very lonely place. For Paul, in Acts chapter 9, uh, his name is Saul at this point, but it says that he got up from the ground. He'd been knocked off that, uh, that horse. And though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. God, I'm confused. Saul, who eventually became Paul, he was zealous for God. And he ends up blinded, alone, in a broken place. So I'm, I found myself uh, on, in this field in Minnesota, in the hills, the rolling hills. There's no mountains in Minnesota. The rolling hills of Minnesota. And I was actually sitting on a rock beside a soccer field next to this kind of forested area, like scrub oaks and things like that in this forested area. And there I sat, frustrated, alone. It was a silent retreat, so I couldn't even talk, <laughs> which is tough for me. If you, if you know me, it's very tough for me to do that. And having that internal conversation that I think we've all had at one time or another, God, where are you in all of this? God, where are you in the middle of my own angst, the middle of my own problems and struggles and difficulties? Taking the next step felt arduous. It felt uncertain. Um, and I'm pretty sure all of us have been there at one way, at one way, shape, or form. So Elijah found himself at this cave entrance now. So God had called to him and, and kind of said, hey, Elijah, step out, uh, you know, at the kind of the threshold of this cave. And when Elijah stepped out on this cave, I don't know what, exactly what he was expecting, but all of a sudden there was this great wind uh, that, that began. And what the Bible says is pretty astounding. It says that this wind whipped and it uh, was breaking the mountain. That is a wind. And so this, this, this wind, this incredibly powerful wind was there breaking the mountain. And right after that, an earthquake shakes the mountain. And I'm sure that was pretty terrifying in that moment for Elijah. And then it says that fire consumed the mountain. As I was studying this, I was like, man, it sounds like 2020. <laughs> I mean, this is, uh, this is like real life planned out right there in front of us. And then it says this, though. It says, then there was... Silence. Have you ever sat in silence? Like total silence. Here we can't do that. You got, you got buzzing noises and sounds and all of that stuff. And we, we can't sit in silence. But if you sit in silence, it can become overwhelming. But it was here, after the, the wind, the earthquake, the fire, that Elijah sensed the presence of God. And open himself up and say, God, speak to me. And so Elijah received from God a call. And if you read the story, we don't have time this morning to kind of go through the, all the nuances of it. But God called Elijah for something very specific to go to three different people named by God for Elijah to go. Very specific things for him to do to go to individuals because God had called him. Paul found himself in unfamiliar places, blinded. Then a man comes to him, and uh, Ben's already mentioned this guy's name. His name is Ananias. He was a fearful follower of Christ. 
because Saul had come in order to persecute the church. And here Ananias is one of those that Paul was going to be persecuting, potentially taking to jail. Potentially his life would have been forfeited. But it says this in Acts chapter 9, verse 15. But the Lord said to him, said to Ananias, go for Saul, or for, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he has to suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who has appeared to you on your way here has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized. It goes on to say just a little bit later, for several days he was with the disciples in Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is the son of God. This is a dramatic transformation in the life of somebody who is going to be persecuting the people of Jesus. Now he himself is proclaiming Jesus to people that don't know him yet. And so Paul received this call from God out of a lonely, out of a separated, isolated place. No longer alone now is Paul. <laughs> No longer without purpose, God had spoken and revealed himself in this call. For both Elijah and Paul, God's call revealed, God's call revealed to them a bit about the future. Not, not necessarily a prophetic utterance of the future, but a partnership. God was going to accomplish his will through them because they were responding to the call of God on their lives. So big question. Does God still call today? Does God still call today? Thankfully, it's a resounding yes. God does still call today. It might look a little bit different than Elijah and Paul in that context uh, there in the written word of God, but God still calls today. Back in the Old Testament, um, in the book of Deuteronomy, is a principle that resonates uh, for us today. And it deals with the word obedience. Obe Everybody say the word obedience. Ah, it just feels so wonderful, doesn't it? <laughs> right? I mean, we, we think of obedience and, like, you know, we, we send our dog to obedience school. <laughs> like to send our children, right, at times to obedience school, right? So obedience is not something that we generally like and like, oh boy, today I hope somebody tells me what I need to do, right? Somebody tells me that I've done something wrong and, and I need to have obedience in my life. Uh, we are obedient to the laws of gravity. It's a very, very good thing to be obedient to, <laughs> right? We can't really go against them, but we are obedient to the laws of gravity. We're also obedient to the unwritten laws of ordering Starbucks properly. You know there's an order to it, right, everybody? And I'm going to help you out here, and I'm probably going to mess it up, but this is how I do it, so I know it's the right way, okay? So this is it. It's the size first. Grande, not medium. It's grande. Tall, grande, venti, or trenta, right? Okay, those are the, those, that's where they are right there, but grande. Following that is the flavor. Grande, French vanilla, right? That's what you need to do. So grande, French vanilla. Then you do blonde because that is, that is the, that's the flavor that you want, right? So grande, French vanilla, blonde, latte. Then they know it's hot, right? Okay, so that's, that's what you want. If you do it out of order, it confuses the baristas. 
So I'm here to help you do it in that right order. So it's the size, flavor, type of coffee, and the make, right? That's what you've got to do when you go in. And those are the unwritten laws of ordering Starbucks. Please be obedient to those laws. I'm just helping you out there. Anybody with me? All right, okay. But ultimately, and really most importantly, there's an obedience to the, to the laws of God, right, that we should have in our lives. So listen to what it says in Deuteronomy, and notice that there are, there are blessings associated with this obedience. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 10, and reading around a little bit here in verse 10 through 13, it says, all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord. It starts off with that, you're called by the name of the Lord. The Lord will open, uh, open for you his rich storehouses, the heavens, to give the rain of your land in its season and to bless all your undertakings. You will lend to many nations, but you will not borrow. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be only at the top and not at the bottom if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God. So we see in here, we see this calling we see obedience, and we see blessing. And I don't know about you, but I want to live a blessed life, and that blessed life involves obedience to the written word of God. And this call that was shown there, you know, that we're called by the name of the Lord, that still echoes today, and it's a call from God that's unique to those who follow the direction of God. And this is how that call shows up, that God has called us to lead. We are called to lead. Now, leading and leadership at times can seem pretty mysterious. Has anybody ever read a book on leadership? Anybody ever read a book on leadership? Raise your hand, raise your hand again really quickly. Look around. So lots of you have read books on leadership. That's wonderful. And if you read one book on leadership and then you read another one, you're going to find out that, oh, there's another way to lead. And then you read another one, oh, there's actually another way to lead. There's other principles. So it can seem mysterious and confusing when you get into it. And uh, So I'm going to simplify it a little bit today, and it's probably oversimplifying at some level because there are lots of incredible, great principles of leadership. Um, but I think I'm on good grounds uh, here for, for the purposes this morning uh, because it's written in the Word of God, Right? And so this is kind of how I process this. It's that when we are obedient to this call that God, live, God, God gives in our lives, that when we are obedient, that there are blessings that follow. We just read these blessings that follow. And one of the byproducts of the blessings that God brings in our life, one of the byproducts of it is leadership. Because it says right there in God's word that will be the head, not the tail. You should be at the top and not the bottom. That blessing also then, right, that blessing is there about his, uh, um, his participation with us and, and making sure we have what we need when we need it. So there's this idea that obedience brings blessing and that blessing is leadership. That's how God's blessing shows up. And so now he's not necessarily calling us in this case in the blessing to be leaders of Fortune 500 companies. Right now, any of you leaders of Fortune 500 companies? Yeah, none of you, okay. He hasn't necessarily, that doesn't necessarily mean leadership of a nation. It can. But in our context, when we're obedient to this call of God on our lives, that when it brings blessing, a byproduct of that blessing 
is leadership of our families. A byproduct of that blessing is leadership of ourselves. A byproduct of that blessing is leadership within our own workplaces. Byproduct of that blessing is leadership within our schools. Byproduct of that blessing is leadership. Folks, God has not called us, uh, well, positively, God has called us to be the head, not the tail. To be at the top, not the bottom. That's the blessing of leadership that he brings to us. For Paul, that leadership extended to kings, to nations, to people groups. I mean, it was a huge, broad call. For Elijah, it looked like three specific things in that moment that God called him to do for individual people. That call that God puts on our life to lead can be very individual or it can be very national. So I sat on that rock uh, and genuinely felt God speak to me. Now, when you hear somebody say that, by the way, it's a little weird, right? God spoke to me, you know, and okay, go, you know, you need to go get counseling, <laughs> okay? Um, it wasn't wind, earthquake, or fire, but this voice inside, right? I mean, and, and for those who have felt God call you and felt God speak to you, you know what I'm talking about. And so I sat there on the rock, and I felt God speak to me, and, and as in all my complaints and everything there, God, what's going on? He's like, uh, where are you, Rich? And I'm like, Sitting on a rock, God, that's what I'm doing. Where are you? <laughs> um, he's like, yeah, but where are you? And so I started looking around. I'm, I'm on this rock, and I'm between this, this wild place on one side, the, this untamed side, and I'm next to this you know, manicured soccer field out there, and it's just beautiful, and it's tame kind of between the known and the unknown. I'm between that tame and the wild, the comfortable and the messy. And I really felt like God was saying, Rich, I, I have you where I want you. And that call that I sensed in my own life back then is still true to this day, that God has me where he wants me, not just as a pastor here, but as a dad, as a husband, as a follower of Christ, just the very simple part of God's call upon my life, that there are times in my life that are incredibly messy, and there are times in my life that are incredibly tame, and God says, I've got you kind of balanced between these worlds, and God, I've cre or, and Rich, I've created you <laughs> to be able to navigate these two extremes in your life, and it's okay. I've got you where I want you. So God has called us as his people to lead. That leadership looks very different between all of us, and uh, some have greater responsibilities, some very small, but all of it is leadership. For nearly 65 years or so, Life Church Utah has been in existence. And leadership has been part of its reality uh, for, for these years. And that reality has showed up through influence within our community to those in need. But it's, uh, the church is not the building. The church is the people. And there's a corporate obedience that we then receive a corporate blessing that's a corporate leadership, right, for us as the people of God as we follow after what he wants in our lives. And so God has called us in our context to the people of the valley, the people of the Salt Lake Valley. For our Life Church Tooele site, the people of Tooele Valley. And you folks, you know there are a lot of other valleys in, in, uh, in Utah. And God willing, 
right, we'll be able to reach every valley in Utah. But the people of the valley here for us, 1.3 million people, 49% identifying with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, 6-8% identifying with evangelical churches. That leaves about at least 600,000 people that God has called us to reach that are unaffiliated. That's a big job, folks. It's a huge job that God has called us to lead. But here's the great thing. He's not called us to do something that can't be done. Acts chapter 17 is a story of a church, and Paul and uh, Silas, they're on their way to various places, and they find themselves at Thessalonica. And Thessalonica, they are not having it. They are frustrated. Uh, the, the people uh, that are there, the people in power, are angry that the church has come here. And listen to what they say about the church. In Acts chapter 17, verse 6, says this. These people, talking about Paul and Silas in the church, these people who've been turning the world upside down have come here also. Folks, God has called the church to lead. And there are times when that leadership can be disruptive. And I believe this season that we have been walking through as a church when there's been a sense of isolation, right? There's been sense, the sense of darkness within the culture and community that God has us right where he wants us to allow the blessing of obedience to him to show up in leadership within our community. This is what God is calling us to. Now, the valley can be more than just the physical valley, right? It can be very spiritual. It can be very mental. It can be very emotional where there are people around us that are facing incredible valleys in their own lives. These valley experiences can define us negatively. And there are many within the, uh, the physical Salt Lake Valley or Tooele Valley that are in valleys of their own. And God has called us to reach the people of the valley. So to what end? What is all of this accomplishing? I'm going to invite you to turn your attention to the screens. I was born in a family that is not Christian. Somebody invited me to a fellowship back in high school. Through the fellowship, um, I got introduced to Christ. Someone came to share his experience, a testimony um, about his relationship with God and how God is using him to make an impact. That spoke to me, so I stepped forward and I accepted Christ. Since then, began to grow in the Lord. I had the opportunity to grow up in a Christian family. My mother was a chorister and also helping in the children's service. So as she goes, she pulls me along, you know. <laughs> You know, being away from family, this is the only family I have. You know, the love, the children also love coming to church. You know, it makes me feel still connected. Even though I'm away from home, but still I'm in the family of God. I love the fellowship, the, the worship team, mm -hmm. uh, and then also the opportunity to serve. You know, uh, that is something I really cherish, you know, um, giving back with a talent, right? I love almost everything that I've in the church. <laughs> well, my favorite ones are the love for the community, Isaiah Calling and the Farmer's Market. We recently had um, a new neighbor moving opposite us, so we reached out. Um, she baked some donuts and then we went over, introduced ourselves to them, create some impression. On, on, on her mind that, hey, these people are nice, right? So maybe one day we can have a conversation and through that we can begin to you know, introduce them to 
to Christ, uh, let them to know about the church and what the church is doing in terms of helping the community. My kids early in the morning, every day in the car before they get off the school, they say, I am wonderfully and fearfully made by God. Hey, the power, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, the trust. Wherever I go, God is with me. So one day we had a teacher conference and the teacher is like, your boy is really good. That time somebody in the class couldn't do something and he's like, you can do it. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can do it. I believe in you. They have seen something in them. It so means that our lifestyle can also help people to draw closer. There are valleys, there are mountains that you go through, right? The journey that we take with Christ is something that in the long term, the reward is, is great. It's just a matter of taking some baby steps and you, I try to, you know, show them what baby steps we need to take. We need to carry each other, you know, help each other carry their burden. We can't do it alone. We need each other. So with prayers, encouragement, we can help reduce the burden. We, we live a life that can be like an example, right? A light um, in this dark world. So that is really something that we can use as a tool um, to help lead people to. Right. Amen. I love actually uh, Eric's up uh, working uh, working the uh, the slides today. So thank you, Eric, for serving. Um, and I love what they said about their kids uh, because their kids are leading their friends. Right? Doesn't matter how old you are. <laughs> when Jesus is Lord of your life, there's a leadership blessing uh, that's on there. And so ultimately, what, where are we leading towards? Where are we leading towards? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, and this is uh, Paul speaking uh, to the church in Corinthians, or the church in Corinth. He says, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. If people were to follow you for a day, what would they see? If they were to follow you for a week, who would you be imitating? And so this, this is a huge responsibility that we have as the people of God that we are to reveal Jesus everywhere we go. Doesn't matter our background. Doesn't matter our economic influence. None of that matters at all. What matters is that we imitate Christ because when people see us, we want them to see Jesus. I'm gonna invite you to stand to your feet real quick as we, uh, as we finish up here. So we need to know Jesus better tomorrow than we do today. We never stop looking like Jesus. We can't stop maturing in our faith. We can't stop reading the word to discover more of what Jesus is like so that we can have him be in our lives in a greater measure. And so if we put all of this together, we find out what God is speaking to Life Church Utah. We find out how God is going to be moving in the future for us through something very simple. Now, the very, very first week, uh, right after everything was shut down, so March 15th was our last uh, service that we had had in person, and March 16th, everything was shut down basically across the nation, and that was the first week, um, if you remember, I know you all remember because, you know, it's fantastic, right? It was the first week that we had, like, only video service. I mean, that was it. We're scrambling, trying to figure out what to do. I shared a phrase with the church at that point. 
And this is kind of the culmination of really the last six, eight months for us as a staff as we're working together. This is where God is leading us, and this is it. This is the final thing here. Put it all together. God has called us to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. Folks, if we do nothing else, we are pleasing and honoring our God. If we do nothing else by by leading people to be more like Jesus, we are doing exactly what he has called us to do. There are seasons in your life when you feel isolated, broken, or you feel like you're alone. These are the times when God is speaking so loudly to us and saying, I've called you. Because I've called you when you're obedient to that call, there's a blessing that flows in your life that leads to leadership. We are to lead the people of the valley, those who are closest to us, to be more like Jesus. Folks, this is what Life Church Utah is all about. This is what we express. This is what we are going to be living over the next five weeks as we um, kind of unpack what this means to be more like Jesus. We're going to find out uh, exactly what that is. And, and next week, uh, we're going to be talking about one of, uh, one of those five, and that is uh, that our, our deep commitment to biblical truth that we have to have that as the foundation for us, uh, for, the, for the Bible. And so that's really one of the ways that we find ourselves to be like Jesus is when we are committed uh, deeply to biblical truth. So that's next week, and then we'll be unpacking some other ones as the uh, weeks go by. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes as we close out. Father, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for this incredible congregation, for those who have been able to gather in person and those who are gathering with us online. Lord, I ask that we would truly recognize that you have called us, that God, every one of us from young to old, God, every one of us and uh, from, from poor to wealthy, God, every one of us, Lord, uh, educated, uneducated, Lord, you have called us. And God, because that calling for us as individual, God, that together, corporately as your church, God, you've called us to lead the people of the valley, God, these who are friends, these who are loved ones, these who are co-workers and neighbors, those that are far away from you, God, that you have called us to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. And so, God, help us as your followers be more like you in the first place. God, help us to uh, keep short records of wrong. God, help us uh, to put ourselves in a position uh, to seek forgiveness, put ourselves in a position of humility, God, before you and before others. And Lord, help us to lead just like you have. Jesus, you led by giving yourself on the cross. Lord, help us to live by giving. Lord, we love you. We praise you. God, we give you all the glory and the honor. I'm so grateful, Lord, for this congregation. So grateful, God, that as we come out of this season, Lord, that we have all been in, God, that coming out of that season reveals new purpose, new hope, new vision, new direction. And God, we willingly walk in and commit together as the body of Christ to follow after you. Lord, we love you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, Don't forget, our missionaries will be out at the table. We'd love to have you stop by there and uh, greet them, get a prayer card, and uh, be able to pray for them ongoing. Don't forget the t-shirts. Love to have you grab some of those. God bless you. Have a great afternoon, and we will see you next week.